are you in charge of your body or is your body in charge of you? And the first decision of every morning is the most important decision to get the hell out of bed. And that kind of energy, you know, people look at that and say, well, I could never do that. Sure you could. You know, you can talk quiet, you can talk loud. You can move slow, you can move fast. You know, make your decision and, and commit yourself to doing what you do with energy and surround yourself with that, with people that are filled with energy. And uh, you're in control of your world. You're in control of your life. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself. Asking the questions that nobody else is asking. Systematically assembling the information, teaching it. And if you can teach, you can write. When your book comes out, the world will see you in a totally different light. These are exciting times throughout our species, history. Every night we got enough sleep because there was nothing to do. It was dark. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. You cannot train your body to get by unless sleep. And the one thing you appreciate and control something right now is your sleep. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a genuine American hero, a man who is a thought leader in his own right. He is the author of a number of best-selling books, On Killing being the most famous one. And he's got a new book coming out called On Hunting. He's a good friend of a good friend of the show's, Ernest Emerson of Emerson Knives. Please welcome to the show, the one, the only, the legendary Colonel David Grossman. <laughs> oh, ah, Nikki, I love that intro, dude. You know, it's funny. One of the foundation things is do what you do with energy. And that kind of energy, you know, people look at that and say, well, I could never do that. Sure you could. You know, you can talk quiet, you can talk loud. You can move slow, you can move fast. You know, make your decision and, and commit yourself to doing what you do with energy and surround yourself with that, with people that are filled with energy. And, uh, uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, you're modeling that behavior that we want to we want to run with. And uh, uh, you're in control of your world. You're in control of your life. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself. Uh, and and if you give way to bitterness or cynicism or complacency or denial, that's the one thing you can control. And you give the world a victory with your own hand. We will not give them that victory. So it does, I love that intro piece. I'm, I'm eager to talk to your audience about uh, a couple of good subjects here. And, uh, and I, I love what you're doing from the standpoint of thought leadership. It's something I've, I've thought about. And I, I think maybe <laughs> I've been able to do a little bit of that. Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Colonel, um, let me tell you a little bit about the folks who tune in and listen to this show. Because you're, you're, you're here and they're here because they want to hear from you. They hear from me every right. week. They're excited to hear from me. Right. But these right. men and women, these are entrepreneurs. These are who I call society's greatest heroes. They're at the vanguard of pushing forward freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And the reason they listen to this show is they want to learn from you. They want to learn how you think. They want to learn what you've done from a business point of view that helps push your thought leadership forward. 
But before they can open themselves up to you, they need to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Colonel David Grossman? Hey, you know, I, I enlisted in the Army in 1974. I was I worked on a Wildcat oil rig. I lied about my age. And I was working on Wildcat oil rig, most dangerous thing I ever did. I turned 18. I, I joined the Army, became a paratrooper, order some magnitude safer. <laughs> and worked <laughs> with and, uh, and uh, I, uh, I was a young sergeant, 82nd Airborne Division, uh, paratrooper. I, uh, I got two years of college on my own time. Uh, that's all I needed to go to OCS. That was my goal. And one of my life influencing books, in a way, was uh, was Robert A. Heinlein's Starship Troopers. You know, the idea of going enlisted, going to OCS, and then going on. Uh, young infantry officer, ranger qualified, uh, ranger school under my belt. Uh, 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 infantry jobs, uh, doing great things all the way up the ranks. Uh, went to the British Staff College, uh, selected to teach at West Point, got a graduate degree en route to teach at West Point. And, uh, but it really kind of began as young private, 82nd Airborne Division, uh, 1975, 76, and then on to be a sergeant. And uh, uh, we were ready to punch out anywhere in the world. We're gonna be in combat tomorrow, right? Constantly in that mindset. And we had Vietnam veterans all around us. And we wanted them to talk about combat. What's it gonna be like in combat? Uh, and, and they wouldn't tell you. It was like this taboo topic. And so, you know, fast forward, uh, Private Grossman, Sergeant Grossman uh, becomes Captain Grossman en route to teach at West Point. And uh, I, uh, I, I finally had a chance to ask that question. What's it like to kill somebody? Not just one person a bunch of people and organize it uh, you know the hard thing to explain is not that one in a million terrible murder you know people point some more oh that moves a mankind's a killer no uh, that's that's one in a million that's an outlier you explain to me the 99.99 percent of our citizens will go a lifetime and never kill anybody or even seriously attempt to divorce infidelity layoff traffic accidents and a lifetime of provocation Less than one in a thousand people even seriously attempt to take a life. Explain that. So this is this whole array of physiological, psychological, uh, social constructs that restrain killing. And we know how to turn it on, we know how to turn it off. And it became my book uh, on killing. And I coined the term killology. Uh, and and you know, I'm thinking about sexology. You know, if, if somebody came up to you and said, you know, hey, how's the life, love life going? You know, I, I'm up position. I often get it on. You, you blow me off. I mean, who the hell are you to be asked these kind of questions? But if Masters and Johnson comes to you from a scholarly standpoint, and, uh, and you might answer. You might even tell them the truth, right? Maybe. So <laughs> here I am as a young Army, you know, Ranger, Captain en route to West Point, and, and I'm asking these questions, and they give me the answers. And I coined the term killology. You know, criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. Killology is not about teaching people to kill. It's about understanding the factors that enable and restrain killing. And my first book came out in 1995 on killing. Uh, just tremendous success. Translated seven languages. Half a million copies sold uh, uh, in English alone. Uh, it's still, after it's been out since 95, uh, Marine Corps Commandant's required reading list. But what I found out, I retired in uh, in uh, December '97, really uh, uh, formally in uh, January '98, and uh, 
I was training law enforcement across America, and they're the only ones in part of the war. They're the only ones in combat every day. So I'm, keep, I'm still asking the question, what's it like to be in combat? This taboo topic nobody will talk about. So uh, my, my class evolved into something totally different than on killing. For those who fully prepare themselves, killing is just not that big a deal. You know, for a mature individual who's prepared themselves for a lifetime, who's using deadly force to protect lives, uh, it's just not that big a deal. You know, it, a lot of the, the anti-cop, anti-war people are offended by that. You know, Grossman says you kill somebody, it'd be just fine. Well, what, what do you want? Do you want them to be destroyed? Do you want one-shot soldiers, one-shot cops, use them one time, throw them away? No. no it, it, people are stronger, that World War II generation, that greatest generation. And, and uh, what I found out was, for those who prepared themselves, the key thing is all the things that, that surround killing, what I call on combat, in combatology, auditory exclusion. Most hunters will tell you they shoot a deer and they don't hear the shot. And, and in combat, it's the same way. You know, the, uh, the shots get muted. Auditory exclusion. How in the hell could we have had 500 years of gunpowder combat and not let people know Hey, the shots get muted. Tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, slow motion time, memory gaps, memory distortions. These things are very common. And it fits every definition of a psychotic episode. If you're sitting here right now, boom, tunnel vision, uh, memory gaps, auditory exclusion, slow motion time, memory distortions, <laughs> it would scare the daylights out of you. The fact that somebody's trying to kill you is bad enough without your body doing these weird and one of the things nobody warned you about. So again, my book on combat came out, uh, uh, Marine Corps Commandant's Required Reading List, along with On Killing After 20 Years of War. Uh, last I heard, issued in the DEA Academy, issued the Marshall Academy, translated into five languages. Way over uh, a quarter of a million copies sold and uh, come out. And, uh, and, and that really is the heart of the matter. I'm going to go back and do a final edition on this to catch it and tie it all together. Uh, along the way, <laughs> I ended up writing the book on spiritual combat. You know, the question, ask the question, how, how does this all fit from a spiritual perspective? How does this weave in? Uh, Christian Book Award finalists have been doing great things on spiritual combat, writing a sequel to it. It'll be out uh, in about a year. Uh, and then in March, our book on hunting is coming out. And, you know, we say in the book, if, if the existence of our species was 24 hours, right up until the last six minutes, all we did was hunt. We, we're hunter-gatherers. It's what we're designed to do. It's what we've done. I mean, you know, again, you know, this idea that, you know, take 24 hours, a life cycle, all but the last six minutes, all we did was hunt. You cannot understand human beings without understanding hunting. You cannot understand killing. You cannot understand combat without understanding hunting. So it keeps coming around asking the questions that nobody else is asking, and then, and then systematically assembling the information, putting it together, teaching it. And if you can teach, you can write. My easiest book and my most important book on combat, it evolved and evolved. Uh, I, I turned it into a two-day class. We audio taped it. We transcribed it. And we were 50% home with a book right there. Boom. You know, for most of us, writing is hard work. But most of us can speak, you know, and teach classes very easily. So just audio tape that class, get it transcribed, you know, go to Upwork.com and some little Olivia Malaysia 
with 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 300 five star reviews will transcribe it for for you know minimum wage and uh and there's your there's your magazine article a full day class is a, a good short little book uh, a two day class is a decent book and you put the quotes and other things in it and boom just audio tape that class transcribe it and boom you're home and and i i've got lots of friends out there i tell them that you know when your book comes out the world will see you in a totally different light write that book even if your grandkids are the only ones ever 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 read it but when you're presenting when you're teaching if you got the book on the topic oh that then the whole dynamic changes completely today i'm still asking questions i'll give you a couple examples We're concerned about global warming, and, and it's a legitimate concern, you know, and, uh, and the ecology. And yet, at the same time, we look out the door and we mow our lawns. We've got one species of plant, and we whack it down to two inches to show our, our dominance over nature. But, but first off, all of the chemicals that goes into those lawns are, are ecologically just horrendously bad. And we got the gas for the lawnmower. We got the sound pollution. We got the other things. And in the meanwhile, if we grew a meadow in our front yard, and, and if we grew a meadow, it, 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 would, it would have exponentially greater ecological impact as far as, as, as processing uh, carbon dioxide. Uh, it, would, it, would, uh, it would be much better across nature, and the whole ecostructure could interweave these critters that live in the grass. And, and yeah, you know, have a little bit mowed in the back for the kids to play and have a path mowed through here and there. But, you know, they're going to look at this 100 years from now. Say, so why did they do that? Why did they all mow their lawns? This is insane. What, what purpose did that serve? Why, why did they pound those things with chemicals? Why did they spend all that money on all that gas? Now, you know, if you do this, you become a meadow, you got to get out there and mow it once a year. It'll become a forest, right? Uh, get out there and mow it and hay it once a year, you know, but a whole new industry is going to fall into place. I'm changing my, my the, the, the city here would, 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 would ticket me if I grew a meadow. I'm turning my lawn into, a, into all clover. I'm just planting clover seed and raking it up and throw a handful of clover seed and rake it up, especially when it's raining. Get out there and, and, and plant clover everywhere. Uh, good for the ecology, good for the lawn, doesn't grow so high, don't have to cut it so often. But really, when you think about this, here's the history behind this. Throughout human history, civilization meant cutting down every single tree. Uh, trees are where, where the, the, the barbarians live, where, the, where the, the natives live. Trees are where bears live. Trees are dangerous. The symbol of civilization is an axe. So I taught at West Point, and they get this big diorama of, uh, of the interlocking fields of fire and the redoubts that became the defenses of West Point. That's what Benedict Arnold was going to sell, you know, to the Brits. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they had this diorama. And I said, well, you cut all the trees down just so it would be more visible, right? No, there were no trees. There were no trees. Trees were firewood. Trees were construction material. Trees were bad. Uh, we, we allowed one tree to grow in the middle of a meadow. I suffer that one tree to live so that so that I can show my dominion over nature. One tree to live at a crossroads for shade, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and then in the 1800s, we have what we call Arbor Day. They said, no, trees are good. We need trees. We need to plant trees. We don't want to cut down every tree. We need wilderness. We need wildness. And, and so 
It's the same way mowing the lawn. And they're going to say, were they all crazy? Why do they, they do that? In the middle of this ecological disaster, they walk out the front door, and the one little piece of turf that they really have control over, that they could turn into a meadow, they whack it down to two inches, you know, and, and, and hammer it with chemicals, and so on and so forth. Another question that people just don't want to ask, and this is me, this one, you know, the, the whole I'm meadowing, I, I coined the term meadowing, to turn your lawn into a meadow. Uh, and I got a little piece of dog roll that says, uh, I, I, I think that I shall never see, uh, I, I think that I shall never settle in a lawn as nice as any meadow, right? So this meadowing movement dynamic, but uh, uh, the necktie. Now, ask yourself a question. Why do we wear a necktie? And as men's fashions come and go, the necktie is still there for over a century. And, 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 and it starts down here, it comes up here, it's got a big knob on top. It's a dick. It's a dick. We're all wearing these dicks. And a hundred years from now, they're going to look, can't they see it? They're all wearing dicks. A big red power tie comes up with a big knob right here. Couldn't they see it? And the weird part is that it works. I tell my detectives, if you and your partner come to the front door with a big power tie on, and the guy answers the door, he didn't have his tie on. The monkey brain goes, ooh, 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 ooh. There's a reason why we do it, it works. And women almost never wear a tie. It's demeaning when they're like waitress or something. And uh, there's a reason for that. Women wear everything men wear, but they won't wear a necktie. And there's a reason for that. Because the monkey brain looks at a woman with a necktie and says, huh, huh, it doesn't work. And, and, and so you know, ask questions nobody else is asking. Push that envelope. Gather that information. I had a guy, um, he's a, just a high level, uh, one of the highest level competitive shooters we have out there. And he trains Delta Force. And, uh, and, and he said, wow, well, well, one of these guys told me that he doesn't make headshots because you can't make headshots. The bad guy's always moving. He'll move his head. And... I said, well, I, I've interviewed more people about combat than anybody in human history. I've interviewed an awful lot of people who made headshots. Now, you're a champion shooter. You can draw and shoot and make a headshot in like, like four-tenths of a second. And you're going to tell me that you can't do headshots. And here's, here's what you need to do. You need to do freaking science. Don't take one example and run with it. Do freaking science. Interview hundreds of people. Do some research. Understand what shots they were making in real-world situations. Now don't pass out this crap. Oh, yeah, you won't really be able to make a headshot because what, one guy told you that? And, and you know, I was in the martial arts as a kid there. So, oh, you only get kicked kick in the nuts one time. And, and from that point on, your reflex will say, what a bunch of baloney. You only get punched in the face one time and then catch baloney. There's always somebody fast enough to kick you in the nuts. There's always somebody fast enough to punch you in the face. Uh, and the idea that you can't do that is baloney. But do freaking science. Do as many interviews as you can. Get as many first-class examples as you can. Collect the data and, 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 and then put it out there. Frankly, if you're fighting with a pistol, uh, uh, headshots are almost essential because <laughs> yeah, otherwise you and the other guy with the pistol would just sit there and trade shots uh, until, you know, both of you die eventually. But if you want a showstopper with a pistol, you've got to make a headshot. Uh, I'm in Hojitsu, the martial art of the firearm. Another idea, why, why don't we turn guns into a martial art. Boom, it's being done. I became part of it. It's incredible. So it all comes around 
to asking the right question and then doing the freaking research. Read every single book on the topic. Integrate it into your work, integrate it into your research, integrate it into your writing. And, uh, and, and that's kind of the thought leader dynamic and, uh, and that energy you need to bring to what you do. Make that conscious decision to do it with, uh, with, with energy and, and uh, pursue those questions that other people won't ask. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of gross when I thought leadership right off the bat. You know, I'm training people at every level in many nations and, and things we can't even talk about. And it's all about asking questions nobody ever asked. Find some good co-authors because two out of my three, oh, I've only got one book that I was solo officer, author, and it was hard work. Writing's hard work, but good co-authors are fun I'll to write I'll write a book with you. Know. I've written, so, I've well, published, self-published eight books. And I'm, yeah. um, the best-selling one is this recent one that I wrote with Wayne Allen Root, who's a Hurrah. libertarian Hurrah. Uh, candidate for vice president in 08. So, yeah. And this is called The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book. Oh, and then we're, we're writing The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book, which is a list of companies to buy from that are not woke. So that's wow. coming up right now. That's brilliant, but brilliant. I'll write a book this with you. Brilliant. Got a yeah, couple ideas about. I'd like to run by you about that. We'll talk about, about it. it offline, but I'd love to write yeah, a book with you. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. Surround yourself with excited, innovative, motivated people. Talk about things we can cooperate with and put together dynamics. Uh, uh, it, it, these are exciting times. And, and they're, they're great times to write a book. Now, first off, I love the podcast revolution. And I always try to take a minute to honor your listeners and to honor the people putting out the podcast. Because nobody does that to get stinking filthy American dream rich. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, there were, there were three networks. And, uh, and a couple of local radio stations, and one, maybe two newspapers, half a dozen national magazines. And if you didn't get in them, your story never got heard. It was like this, this, this choke point for information. Well, now we've completely broken that, that choke point. I, I, I've been on 60 Minutes in 2020 and Larry King back when he was a big deal, and it meant nothing. My book made a little bump, and a month later, a year later, it meant nothing. Uh, and it, it was gone. And it was three or four minutes with them, and you couldn't control what you said. You couldn't control what they used. Well, today, we have the podcast revolution. Yeah. And, and we can get in-depth information on any subject. So I honor your listeners. You're not satisfied with a five-minute soundbite. You, you want deeper information. This is one of the most positive, affirming, rewarding trends in our civilization is people seeking deeper levels of knowledge with these podcasts. Second, I honor you as a person doing the incredible hard work of putting out this podcast on a steady basis. Uh, but but a hundred years from you know, that newspaper is going to be a birdcage liner, right? And, uh, and and then it goes in the trash. But, but this is going in, into the great ethernet <laughs> And a hundred years from now, people could be listening to this podcast. And, and, and it's, it's we're in a time when they're, when they're, they're eternal. But the other part of the equation is write that book. When I was a kid, they had a book called Books in Print. It was about three inches thick. And every single book in the English language that was in print was in that book. Today, it would take like 30 of those books to hold all the books that's on Amazon right now. 
And even if your kid only reads a book, you know, it, it, it write that book. We live in a time where there's room for a lot of books. You know, we can get them published, e-copy, e-publish on Amazon. Uh, I love what you did coordinating with a great guy. I love the subject. I'm, I'm excited about that whole anti-woke movement, you know. It's very uh, cool. I've been under attack from Antifa and defund the police in ways you couldn't believe, you know. And I'm just thinking those that. guys are idiots to take on a guy like you. I mean, uh, you know, the guy who wrote the thing. book on killing is the last guy I'd want to mess with. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. You know, Personally. They say, you're the bitch who's teaching cops to kill. You teach killology to cops. Or we're going to burn your house down and murder your family, and we'll teach you, you know, you, you cop-loving, you know, bastard. And, and, uh, and so... No, we security's a serious issue around our house. Uh, my my two employees are both retired cops, and they're both armed, and I'm I'm armed already all the time. I can't I can't control what these idiots do. No, I can only control how I choose to respond. So you know, I tell my cops when somebody gets in your face, here's what I want you to do. I like tootsie rolls. You choose whatever you want. But the Tootsie Rolls, they stay clean, uh, they're individually wrapped, they're good in the heat, they're good in the cold, and they remind me of Halloween and that bag full of goodies you brought home. Right? So I have a little baggie full of Tootsie Rolls in your car. When somebody gets in your face and somebody's ugly to you, you say, you know what? I gotta have a Tootsie Roll. And, 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 and that, that at, you go from fight or flight to rest and digest. When you start eating, it pulls you in fight or flight to rest and digest. So I, I've got some candy. I get a box or two every Christmas and a box or two on my birthday in August. And, uh, and about once a week, I let myself have a piece of this candy. I get one of these nasty grams, I get a piece of candy. I almost look forward to it. That's so, so funny. You, man. You, 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 you know, you take what they meant no, no, to you rock, to man. you and to hurt you, and you turn it into this is actual rational cognitive therapy. This is yeah. truly the foundation. So when bad things happen, find, you know, now, People become overweight that way. What do you got? Show me, show me. I want to show you some of my books. So, because, like, I'm, I'm very serious. I want to write with you. Let's talk about this for real. So this is my what? first book. It's called Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. And I've worked with a couple Olympic gold medalists. My lady has set three Guinness World Records for running 12 hours on a treadmill. She started in her late 40s. So... This is a short book, but it's it's good. I wrote this myself. The second book um, that I have here, because uh, I've got six of my eight here. This is a children's book I wrote called Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmaker. It's about showing little kids how to be good capitalists, right? Makers and takers, right? I love it. Yeah. This one is called The Thought Leader's Journey. It's told in the form of a fable, kind of like Ogmandino's books, you know, The Greatest Salesman in the World, those kinds of fables. It's for thought leadership and how to become a thought leader and all that. Now, these are three of the four co-written books I've got. This is the one I wrote with Wayne Allen Root, Great Patriot Protest and Boycott book. This I wrote with a fellow who makes a million dollars a year as as an insurance salesman. So it's how to create a million dollar a year income. And this I wrote with a guy who leads one of BNI Canada. That's a business networking organization. Power Connecting. So I write about a lot of different subjects. I've got a novel that I've got going on as well. Sheepdogs. I love it. That's going on for me as well right now. 
And uh, yeah, I got- want to get all that. Um, I, I'm oh. like, writing's been my dream since I was a boy. My next, I'd like to find to get, get some non self-published books. Love to get some books out there that someone's going to say yeah. that's going to be a yeah. part of that. I wrote a all novel, right. which I'll tell you about offline. It's uh, right. it's a little cool thing written from the perspective of people who share our views. Um, I'm, I'm just excited name. about all the stuff you've all done. Right. I'd love to talk to you about that. We we wrote the Sheepdog Kids book. Oh, and, I love uh, it. Uh, the Sheepdog Kids book is dynamite. It's deep. You know, it wraps up and says, sometimes the greatest love is, is that on Amazon? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, wanna, sometimes keep talking to me. I'm going to order it while we talk. Well, and here's the one you're going to love now. Let's go to the, my most recent one. Uh, why Mommy, mommy Carries a Gun. <laughs> why Mommy you, Carries a Gun. You're my man. I love you, brother. If, you're awesome. If anybody in the family, mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, anybody in the family going to carry a gun, here's what we want the kids to know. Find a gun, stop, don't touch. Four universal gun safety laws, famous sheepdog throughout history. You're, we, got a, we got just a world-class... Uh, artist, and they're all sheepdogs, right? And you see some sheep in there too. We got a world class artist. Uh, we got great text, and we've got great case studies in the back. And if anybody in the family is going to carry a gun, here's what we want the kids to know, right? Why mommy carries a gun? You, you're going to love it. Uh, and uh, like I said, the sheepdog kids book, uh, uh, deep. Sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life but to live a life of sacrifice. So there's so, another uh, David Grossman here on Amazon, and he's definitely not you. <laughs> no, it's not me. Yeah, you, you can find him. Just look up sheepdogs. Uh, yeah. Uh, on killings here. Okay, great. I got the uh, on spiritual combat. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, this guy's, uh, yeah, he fight. looks, uh, oh, apparently he's an Israeli author. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. David Grossman. That, uh, uh, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Dave. Grossman. I'm going to put Usually, that in front of your your name. See if that yeah. makes a difference on to, Amazon. If you go to my uh, if, right, go to our website grossmanontruth.com. That's really the way I should have pointed you there from the beginning. We rebranded. Mike Baldwin, my awesome right hand guy, hit the ground like a ball of fire. Uh, we rebranded from Killology. It was Killology was always intentionally provocative. Now they're attacking it. You know. Okay, so. You know, we, we just shifted the side and come from the flank. And so we, we've rebranded as GrossmanOnTruth.com. And so, the best so that, is that the website, is, Grossman on Truth? Yes. Right. And we've got uh, GrossmanOnTruth.com. You know, the, the truth on killing, the truth on combat, the truth on hunting, the truth on spiritual combat, the truth on why mommy carries a gun. Uh, all the books are there at our website, GrossmanOnTruth.com. And, uh, okay, I'm uh, there now. There you right. go. And you'll see, uh, you'll see why mommy carries a gun, and uh, and uh, the sheepdog kids book there, and uh, and, okay. and you're gonna love these. Books. You're gonna just, you're gonna eat these up, Nikki. Uh, yeah, I'm the, sure the, I will, man. Text, I'm, I'm all over the it. concepts. Uh, but why all mommy right. carries a gun again is intensely provocative, and uh, I love it, like, man. I'm just like this is my kind of stuff. But this, or, uh, that's great. One of the things that uh, well, while we got just a few minutes left, let's take a minute. From a uh, you know from a thought leader dynamic on uh, on this huge subject that virtually nobody else is pulling all the pieces together. Now I'll give you another little thought leader side, right? Yeah. Uh, medical technology is holding down the murder rate. The number of dead people 
underrepresents the problem because the docs are saving the one. You get it. Yeah. So year after year, they talk about the murder rate and the lying to us. It's like talking about minimum wage without ever mentioning something called inflation. Well, your, your grandpa made 25 cents an hour. You make $25 an hour. You're 100 times better off than he is. And that should be a meter going off. We all know about inflation. Yeah. And yet they say, well, you know, murder's up, but it's not quite as bad as it was in the 1960s. And that's your BS meter going off. You get it. The entire field of criminal science, the entire field of criminology, the entire law enforcement community is lying to us. Because year after year, they tell us a murder rate and that never once mention that medical technology is holding it down. Tourniquets alone have cut the murder rate in half in just the last decade. Cops, all cops carry tourniquets now. Cops slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life. They prevented a murder. And, 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 and so it's much, much worse than it looks. And, mm -hmm. and we're being fooled. We're being deceived. But let me show you one of the greatest dynamics that we can do something about starting tonight, right now. This global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Yeah, my dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of Bull Durham tobacco and rolling papers, started smoking at five years old. Candy rots your teeth, right? We all know that. Candy's bad for you. Uh, cigarettes are good for you. It's his money. He wants to buy cigarettes. It's his business. And the, the cigarette industry had ads like, as your dentist, I recommend Viceroy's. And uh, more doctors smoke camel. Oh, doctors smoke camels, didn't smoke viceroys, which is, they're all poison. But they were happy to sell tobacco to a five-year-old until we finally made them stop doing that. They, would, they didn't care if they were killing people. They just wanted to sell their product. Well, today, video games, social media, binge-watching TV shows are creating this epidemic of sleep deprivation, and they don't care that they're killing you. Number one, and, and hang on to this, don't let go of it. It is a life-changing dynamic. Suicide and sleep deprivation have a very, very powerful like correlation. Taking yeah. your life. Yeah, taking your life is not a natural act. You have to have profoundly impaired judgment. And sleep deprivation makes us stupid. Hey, all you people out there, when you're sleep deprived, you're stupid. You do stupid things. You make stupid decisions. Just stay stupid things. 18 hours without sleep, and we're impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk blood alcohol level. 24 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk blood alcohol. Two nights without sleep, and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. And we have people all around us who haven't slept for days. Now, I first presented at a DOD conference that a sleep-deprived soldier can be up to five times more likely to take their life. Uh, the, the, the ultimate stupid act is to take your own life. And sleep deprivation and suicide are closely related. Do an online search. The best meta-study of suicide said not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it's the most remediable factor. If we gave a damn about suicide, the first thing we would do is address sleep deprivation. In every nation around the planet, every age group, suicides have exploded. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12 year old. Teenage girl suicide rate has tripled per capita in just the last decade. A cop came up to me during a break in one of my presentations. 
He said, I had a good girl. He said, she was an A student. She said, dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, family policy, cell phone with the charger, go to bed, right? I said, okay, no, no problem. He said, a little while later, I let her keep her cell phone. She killed herself. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And he can't just ignore that. We're not wired that way. Uh, he said it was heartrending. See her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find something. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? He said, the one thing on earth I could have done for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. Who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you turn that stuff off? The head of Netflix said that the number one competitor is not other online provider. The number one competitor is sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep and to steal your children's sleep. And they don't care that it's killing you. So sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide. It's a key factor in traffic deaths. Now, the two things most likely to kill our kids and kill our cops are suicide and traffic deaths. And there's a powerful link. If you're sleep deprived, the probability of a traffic accident goes up exponentially. There's a reason why truck drivers and airline pilots are required to log enough sleep. When you got a kid behind the wheel of that vehicle, if they didn't have a good night's sleep the night before, you're negligent. The third major cause of death that exploded is opiate overdoses. Why opiates? Prescription opiates have always been there. Why are they suddenly the drug of choice? Because sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Do an online search, pain and sleep deprivation, boom, comes right up. It's a vicious cycle that pain creates sleep deprivation, sleep deprivation creates pain, and the pain creates sleep. It's a vicious cycle. And, and you want to get off that damn cycle, don't take opiates, get some freaking sleep and get quality sleep. We'll talk in just a minute about a few sleep nuggets we can have. But they're not going to say, hey, we're killing people. These the opiate overdoses, yeah, sleep deprivation and video games and binge watching TV shows and addictive social media will never say, hey, you've been playing this video game for 36 hours trying to get some sleep now. They'll never do that. Social media will never say you've been online for 48 hours trying to get some sleep. They will never do that. And, and, and so we've got to do it ourselves. We've got to protect our kids. And parenting one-on-one -on -one for the 21st century, when you send your kid dead at night, take their cell phone away from them. No TV in their bedroom, no cell phone, no laptop. They have got yeah, to go to the room. That's happening sleep. as of now. <laughs> Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. I got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old boy. That's happening as of now. It is, it is life and death. Now, two other major causes of death have exploded is obesity and heart disease. And do another online search, sleep deprivation, obesity, boom, it explodes. One of the greatest factors in obesity. Look at sleep deprivation and heart disease, boom, it explodes. And the final point, sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's. Study after study tells us the link between sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's. A study a couple of years back said lack of deep cycle sleep, and that's where caffeine comes in. We're in the middle of a global epidemic of caffeine abuse. And caffeine stops you from getting deep cycle sleep. 
And, and, and so the, the caffeine industry is never going to say your kid should not take caffeine after lunch. You know, they, they, they want your kid to pound down this. They're like the tobacco industry. So here's this entire industry, the media, uh, binge watching TV shows, addictive video games, addictive social media. Uh, and, and they don't care. They're killing people and they are suppressing the information. The link between sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's. People say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We have a decade of Alzheimer's first, you idiot. When we look at problems that have exploded worldwide, one new factor, not the only factor, but the new factor in the equation, obesity, heart disease, traffic death, suicide, opiate overdoses. The new factor is this global epidemic of sleep deprivation, and nobody is putting together those pieces. So be that thought leader who puts together these pieces as, Oh, they fit. Boom. But this is happening. And we don't even know it. So sleep hygiene, sleep 101. Number one, we are designed to sleep in the dark, totally dark room. Uh, the, uh, I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website is sciencedaily.com. I check it every day through almost every category. Major study in the sleep lab, totally dark room. The bathroom light is on and the door is shut. The light coming under the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop your body from producing the melatonin that we need. Now, melatonin, M-E-L-A-T-O-N-I-N, melatonin is the neurotransmitter the body creates to help us sleep. It's created in the dark. If you never sleep in the dark, your body can't produce melatonin. We're talking absolute darkness. I do a lot of work at the fire service. I work for the largest fire department in North America. You know, and they've, they've, they're sleeping in the bunk room, and they always have somebody they call the dark Nazi. And the dark mm. Nazi is a guy who spray paints the windows black from the inside. I tell them, guys, the dark Nazi's right. But combine it with the sleep mask. One of the best investments you will ever make is a sleep mask. My grandson went off to college. What's most likely to kill my grandson? Traffic deaths, suicide, opiate overdoses. What's the best gift I can give my grandson? It's a sleep mask. Now, he's heard my class. He's helped me in my class. He understands what it's all about. Uh, I, I gave him several different kinds of sleep masks. Find out which one works for you and use it. I talked to him. I said, are you getting enough sleep? Yes, sir. Are you using your sleep mask? Yes, sir. If there's one sleep mask online, it's got over 60,000 reviews for freaking sleep mask. But once you start using it, you'll want to do a review. You want to tell the world how important it is. Uh, my wife uses a different kind of sleep mask. My grandson has found a different kind he likes. I, I use the one that's got 60,000 reviews. I like it. But there's different ones. See which one works for you. The greatest thing you can do right now without adding another second to your life is sleep in a totally dark room and combine it with that sleep mask. And, sleep and, and mask, you're gonna get You're going to get AAA. Triple A is one of the best things to do. Cut off caffeine shortly after lunch. Caffeine doesn't make us not sleep. It stops us from having deep cycle sleep. It makes it easier to stay so awake. So which is the best sleep mask, brother? Uh, well, go to Amazon, look at them. There's one, it's, uh, it's called imzu.com. Uh, imzu, that's Mike Zulu, Oscar, Oscar. Uh, uh, imzu sleep mask. It's got 60,000 reviews last I looked, probably more now. Uh, but my wife likes one that's sand weighted and it's filled with sand. It has good firm pressure on the eyes. Imzu one keeps the pressure off the eyes. My grandson likes the one that's just a big piece that wraps around. It's a gray piece of almost 
pelt no. material. In Amazon Canada, you can't find the Emzu one. There's when I put in Emzu, they give you a whole bunch of other ones, but they haven't given me that. I guess yeah, you know, Emzu. Yeah, just just look at look at Sleep Mass and see the one. I think it's Amazon's choice. Got sixty thousand reviews, but look around and see which one. And and look, this is a major. What what's that Sleep Mass cost? Twenty thirty dollars. We'll buy it. several different kind. See which one works for you. Cut off caffeine shortly after lunch, uh, and and no more than one drink on the way to bed. Uh, millions of people are using alcohol to put themselves to sleep. So I, I'm really one of the best investments you'll ever make is one of the fitness trackers that tracks sleep. Now, major study online. Uh, what fitness tracker does the best job of tracking sleep? And the the, the aura, the the ring one, and the the Fitbit did the best. I've done the Fitbit thing. You wear that thing on your wrist. You download the app. It does everything else. It tracks your sleep. So I tell people track your sleep. Wear the Fitbit. Go to bed, and uh, and and pound down four beers and go to bed. You'll fall quickly into a shallow sleep. You wake up a couple hours, can't get back to sleep. Using alcohol to put yourself to sleep is terribly counterproductive. Terrible idea. You go, go to melatonin, touch base with your doctor, get an absolute baby dose of melatonin. As we get older and older, the body produces less and less melatonin. I, I think one of the best supplements you can use is a very, very low dose of melatonin. Uh, and, uh, and, and I do. And so just think of the things we can do. You, know, you understand it, sleep in a totally dark room, no more than one drink on the way to bed, cut off caffeine shortly after lunch. These are the things that everybody should be learning in elementary school. That incredible need for sleep and to sleep in a totally dark room. And we got kids who won't sleep in the dark, but well, slowly wean them off. You know, get that, that nightlight and make it smaller and smaller. Teach them the use of sleep mask. But, but raise a generation of kids who are taught to sleep in absolute darkness. Throughout our species, history, every night we got enough sleep because there was nothing to do. It was dark. A little talking, a little sex, you roll over, you went to sleep. Then we invented the electric light bulb and the television and the video game and the cell phone. And, and here's the key, sleep is a biological blind spot. Our body doesn't know how to make us get enough sleep because it always happened naturally. There is nothing impressive about going without sleep. There's nothing macho, there's nothing tough about going to sleep. Any 10-year-old girl, any 10-year-old girl in a slumber party can do it. The, the really good thing is to manage your sleep or manage your money. You want to impress somebody, go without food. Fasting is really, really good for us. 24-hour fast. Uh, I do I on a good week, I try to work in two 32-hour fasts. Uh from, you know, I go to bed one night. And all the next day, don't eat and that next night. And then, boom, 32 hours, you have a great breakfast. It's wonderful. But you want to impress somebody, don't go without sleep. Any 10-year-old girl in slumber party can do it. Want to impress somebody, go without food. Uh, and that will push your limits. It will push you as a human being. It will push your mastery. One last thing on sleep. Uh, never touch the snooze alarm. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. Do some research. A snooze alarm is actually doing physical harm to your body. It's like you're trying to force your body to go into deep cycle sleep in 10 minutes and it can't do it. Uh, and, and, and it comes back to this. Are you in charge of your body or is your body in charge of you? And the first decision of every morning is the most important decision to get the hell out of bed. My grandson uh, went to army basic training. Uh, you know, we're there at his graduation. He said, you know, grandpa, 
on the first morning, the drill sergeant taught us, you can get straight the hell out of bed when you need to. Now, there's a life lesson right there. It's a discipline dynamic right there. So you can't control anything in the universe except yourself. Take charge of it tonight. Uh, set your cell phone for 10 alarms. 601, 602, 603, 604, 605. And by the time you turn them off, you're up. No, 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 you're not, you're not going to touch that, uh, that snooze alarm. You're going to get the hell out of bed. You that goes to bed at night is going to make you get up in the morning and get the hell out of bed. We're, we're going to have a totally dark room. Go online and order several different kinds of sleep masks. See which one works best for you. Uh, and no more than one drink on the way to bed. And, uh, and pace yourself for the long game. You, you cannot train your body to get by unless sleep. All you're doing is laying a foundation to do stupid stuff, to get Alzheimer's, to have heart disease, to be obese, to have traffic accidents and opiate overdoses. And the one thing the university can control starting right now is your sleep. I learned a lot from this entire conversation with this last segment that you did on the importance of sleep and the danger of sleep deprivation was just primo. It, it's top notch. Your next book's on sleeping, brother. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a great idea. Wow, let's talk about it. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> we'll talk offline. So, David, if someone wants to, you know, buy your books, do your courses, what's the best way for them to, to get a hold of you and your team? Our website, grossmanontruth.com. Of course, all jammed together, right? No, no spaces. Grossmanontruth.com. And, uh, and check out our, uh, our, our website, check out our, our books, uh, uh, get contact with my staff on a speaking engagement or questions you might have. Uh, I, I try to get around to answering most questions. I've, I've got a few that just slip through the cracks on me because I'm working on some other project. But usually if you shoot an email to me, I try to get an answer to you. And it kind of hit or miss sometimes that, uh, uh, the, the whole dynamic of the, of the website and controlling your domain uh, is, is really, really something important. And, uh, and it's another thing. We live in this age where you can do that. And we can't really yeah. control what some idiot writes on Wikipedia about you. you, know, you but you got to master that to the best of your ability and, uh, and, and reach out and gain control. And that website is, uh, is part of that, 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 that we've never had before. Uh, we got good, uh, we got good social media linkage, uh, uh, you can find us, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, on uh, on Facebook. You know, keep rocking on. Uh, but uh, this is this is a, a amazing time, and we're under attack from every direction. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you something. You know, we're, we're warriors. We're we're people who have a heart for our nation, who have a heart for our heritage, and fighting with a warrior is like wrestling with a pig. Everybody gets dirty, but the pig likes it. <laughs> well said well said all right so we end off each episode by asking you as our guest expert to give your three best pieces of life or business advice we call them expert action steps so these are like bullet points that you want my listener to to implement immediately to make their life or their business life better so what do you say Okay, first and foremost is sleep, right? We covered that. Yeah. If I only had one thing to talk about, only one thing to address, you've got to get control of your mind and body. And begins with the alarm goes off every morning, the most important decision of every day. Uh, I'm deadly serious, you know, set that cell phone for 10 alarms. Uh, 
I, I got, you know, I got mine usually for three. You know, this morning, that second alarm, I kind of, <laughs> one minute later, the alarm went off again. You got in this intermediate stage, right? Uh, sleep. You've got to get it under control. Nothing else works. Everything else is broken if you don't get sleep under control. And it's just this huge, huge dilemma. Now, number two is, uh, is a matter of controlling your, your world. Funny you'd ask that, but there's my, there's my uh, three month map a three-month calendar up there on the wall uh, and, and notes and the whiteboard, you know, control your environment, control your world. Uh, and it's all about that, that kind of calendar, your future, your planning, where you're going to. I think the final thing would be to, uh, to ask the questions that nobody else is asking and try to put together the pieces that nobody's put together before. So we know the link between sleep and, and heart disease, sleep and obesity. I started searching up the link between sleep and suicide. Boom, there it was. The world's not going to tell you that. You got to go out and get it. And we live in a time when great body of research is available. But, but ask questions nobody else is asking. Gather data and put the pieces together. Look for those correlations. Look for those links in life uh, to make a contribution to help the world come to a new level. So number one, take charge of your body. Number two, take charge of your time, right? Take charge of your time. And, and then number three, uh, intellectual curiosity. Uh, ask questions that nobody else has asked. Seek those answers. Why do we wear a necktie? What's it doing for us? At, a, at an unconscious level, it sends a powerful message. You know, why do we mow our freaking lawns? Well, you know, 200 years ago, they cut down every freaking tree. Why did they do that? Did we, today, we understand how good trees are for us and how harmful it was. But, but we, we don't question those things. For hundreds of years, civilization meant now cutting down every tree. And then we said, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. and boom, we, we transformed the way our society thought about things. And like I said, I admitted that concept of the meadowing movement. You know, I, I shall never settle in a lawn as sweet as any meadow. You know, but uh, this meadowing movement, you know, let your lawn, why, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we have to mow that lawn and beat it into suppression and hammer with all those chemicals? And I asked those questions. Why am I doing this? And, uh, you know, why am I mowing this lawn? Why am I wearing this tie? What is everybody else wearing? What's it mean? And ask those questions other people are asking. Dig in deeper, because when you get that, that link, nobody else has it. Boom! You can make a contribution. And then finally, write, write that book. I guess that's four. But, uh, that's a good that one. Book. Write that book. Uh, yeah. Yeah, write that book. Transcribe that to that class. Uh, you know, just do an audio recording of your presentation, and you've got an article. Do an audio recording of a of a day's presentation and boom, you've got a, a good thin little book. Two days audio, boom, you've got a decent book. Little old lady at Upwork.com in Malaysia for minimum wage with, with 400 five-star reviews. So we'll, we'll turn it into sentences and paragraphs. Write that book. You know? and, I uh, love it. And, uh, and learn. Never stop learning. And that comes back to the podcast revolution. People like you out there who are listening and watching and people like you, a brother, who put that information out for our civilization. I appreciate it. These are excellent expert action steps. I've taken lots of notes here uh, today. It's uh, it's really, really fantastic. Um, I think folks uh, really benefit. I've taken like nine pages of notes in our conversation, so that's really great. Um, that's an idea. Yeah. No, it's good. I learned a lot. As an, as an instructor, I, I'm a student of audiences. I'm 25 years on the road, over 200 days a year. I was in the Army 24 years, now I'm here doing this 25 years, and I study audiences. And I will tell you that the highest honor you can pay to 
a teacher, a presenter, a coach, is to take notes. And when I see the ones sitting there taking copious notes and they come up and get a book, I, I try to make a point, you know, shaking their hand and thanking them and letting them know that the highest honor you can give anybody is, is that note taking. So thank you. And I'm honored that I was able to give you. Oh, God, thank you. You're welcome, but listen. thank you. Yeah. It's and really yeah, great to. to find it. It's All really right. great to have a fantastic guest like you on the show that uh, really teaches me a lot. I'll let you in on a little secret. I do this okay. podcast to help people to be sure, but there's a selfish reason I do it too. I get, I get an hour to two of free coaching from my guests. Yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. It's a tool. Iron speed. sharpens iron. That's, that's from the Bible, my brother. Iron but, sharpens yeah, iron. And, uh, and, and so that's our goal, brother, is uh, to reach out there. And how do you be a better person? Surround yourself with better people. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, no, amen. And so it, it's a two-way street. Really a pleasure yeah. and honor and and, Thank uh, you very much. You all your endeavors, my friend. You bet. So, listener, Colonel David Grossman is the real deal. He's been dropping truth bombs and golden nuggets all episode long. If you didn't take notes, go back, start listening again with your notebook and take detailed notes. And what he had to say about sleep is absolute gold. Gold, gold, gold. Make sure you take that on. I'm going to take that on in a bigger way myself and for my kids. And listener, if you like this episode, share it. Leave a review. Give it a like. You know, give it a rating. But share it. There's people who need to hear the message. So make sure that you share it. And apply the expert action steps to your life. Do it, do it, do it. And go to his website. You know, grossmanontruth.com. It'll be in the show notes. Go and consume everything there is to consume on that website. Buy the books. I'm ordering a bunch of books, both from Amazon and from the site. I think it's going to be great. Make sure that you do that too. And um, Colonel Grossman, it was a real honor to have you here. I'm going to bring you back for this show when your book comes out or, you know, a month or so before and we'll release it in a month think it'll be great. I'm going to have you on my other show for men way sooner than that. I think it's going to be great. And I'm going to have a quick chat with you after we're done to talk about maybe doing a book or something like that together. It'd be a lot of fun. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Colonel David Grossman, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode. And please share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. That is very, very important. That really helps more people that need this kind of message get it. And I think everybody needs to hear about sleep. This episode alone could save a bunch of lives, you know, especially between the correlation between sleep and suicide, lack of sleep and suicide. Really important. You send this to people that you know aren't sleeping enough. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's even you, but definitely people in your circle are that way. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. 